Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. So we're going to get started. Um, I'm going to start with a verse, uh, Philippians 4.12. says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this word that you have been toiling within me. And Lord, I just believe that it will produce fruit. And God, I just surrender everything that is of me. Lord, and just ask that you make me your vessel, Lord, that your word would be communicated clearly. God, that you would just um, till the ground of our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. And we just bless Pastor Mike and Elizabeth as they travel home. Just guard and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so um, Elizabeth's not here. She did do jokes. I didn't know if she was going to be on announcements or not. So I didn't want you to be joke deficient this morning. So um, I'm going to be talking to you about the difference between being content and being complacent today. Um, so here's a couple of terrible jokes for you, um, as is tradition here. Uh, which bird is the most contented? Hmm. It's the crow, because he never complains without cause. Cause, cause. Okay. Where, here, here's your next terrible joke. Where do they make contentment? Hmm. At the satisfactory. Ha, ha, ha. You're welcome. Um, and I think it's so great. Like, I, God has been dealing with me about this word for a couple of months now, and then um, Mike had a great message last week talking about guarding your heart, and I feel like this marries so well. You know, it's like the same God's talking to all of us, you know, like the worship this morning, there's, there's no communication between the speaker and the worship team. God just organizes this stuff, and I just think it's awesome. But I just want to talk about being content. You know, that's really a challenge sometimes. Mike talked about guarding your heart, and um, that's a great message to go back and listen to, but Life is always going to bring trials and challenges. You know, the word doesn't say if you have trials or troubles. It says when you have trials and troubles because it's going to happen, right? And our culture is always one that's like pressuring us for more and to do better and to promote ourselves and to achieve and all of those kinds of things. And so between all of that, it's really difficult sometimes to just be content, to discipline, to be content with what we have in every season. You know, we have a choice to be thankful and content, or to be discontent. It's a choice. And but sometimes if we're discontent long enough, we become complacent. And I'm going to go through the difference between being complacent and content, because I feel like in my life I've heard those used interchangeably, and they're very much not. So here's a couple of quotes or, or definitions that I've found that might be helpful to you. So content is when we are satisfied. Complacent is when our discontent has turned to apathy. Contentment is finding joy and peace in your circumstance while you continue to do the work you're called to do. Complacency is deciding you're going to stay where you are because you're apathetic towards improving yourself or the world around you. Contentment puts its hope and trust in God alone, knowing that he will provide all we need for the right changes to come in our lives. Complacency is passively waiting for life to change without any hope that it will. We're called to be content. You know, that doesn't mean that we stop striving for better, but it means that we're satisfied in who God is and what he has provided for us. You know, contentment is saying, God, you don't owe me anything. 
Like, if we think about what God has already done for us, it's enough, right? If he never does anything else, it's what he has done is enough. And it's being content and satisfied and resting in that. Content is, is, is the, the settling of our soul where God has placed us. Here's a quote that I thought was really powerful to me. Complacency is a blight that saps energy, dulls attitudes, and causes a drain on the brain. The first symptom is satisfaction with things as they are. The second is rejection of things as they might be. Good enough becomes today's watchword and tomorrow's standard. Complacency makes people fear the unknown, mistrust the untried, and abhor the new. Like water, complacent people follow the easiest course, downhill. They draw false strength from looking back. Content says, I will be thankful for what I have, and I will seek to steward all that God has for me. Content is, is tending to what needs to happen in this season with an intentionality towards the next season. Complacency is the it is what it is, right? I know that's a common phrase that I grew up around. It is what it is, and I'm powerless to change it, is what we're saying. Content is, we're saying, God, I accept this is my starting place. Complacent says, I surrender, this is my finish line. So there's a road to complacency. We don't just get there overnight, right? So I was really excited that God gave me three C's, complacency, three C's, I love it when that happens, um, for our road to com- complacency. The first is comparison. When we stop focusing on our journey and we start focusing outward, we start comparing what we have, or what we perceive we have, compared to what we perceive other people have, right? What we think their reality is based on their social media posts or what they say or whatever, um, and contentment is uninhabitable waters for jealousy and comparison. We are content. It doesn't matter because we're content, right? In 1 Thessalonians 4, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, um, Paul's writing this letter to this church, and he says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do, all, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. It's in the Word. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I heard somebody speak on this recently, and it was interesting because they were saying what had happened in, in this church is that, you know, these are new believers to Jesus. They believe that he's coming back, and they so believe that he's coming back that they have all quit their jobs, and they're just sitting there waiting for Jesus to return. But while they are sitting there, they start looking around, and they start saying what other people should be doing, right? In fact, they apparently don't get it on the first letter because in the second Thessalonians, he calls them busybodies and tells them to stop it, right? We have a job to do. Yes, God is coming back. Yes, there are things that are going to happen, but that doesn't mean we sit and do nothing. We have a job to do. When we are busy, it is when you are about the things that you should be doing, you don't really have time to be comparing, do you? Right? People with children, you know, it's like you're trying to correct one and this one's getting in on it and you're like, can you just stay in your lane? You've got enough to deal with over here. Right? We have enough to deal with. So comparison. The second is complaining. Complaining is, I have arrived and you haven't. Or, it is what it is. I wish it was different, but you know, can't do anything about it. There's nothing I can do. 
Have you ever been around somebody who was never satisfied? It is exhausting. It is a joy sucker. Let's not be, let's not be those people. Um, John Piper said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied. Discontent is poisonous to us. You know, you can be unsatisfied, but, and that's, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with being, you know, not liking something. But it's when that discontent is brooding, you know, when you focus on it. That's your focus. It robs your joy. It steals our focus, right? I heard someone say recently, they were talking about this, and they were saying that if you, that discontent, that covetousness, that jealousy, whatever, that you just let brood, what you're really saying is that God doesn't care and or he's not good. Because if he cared and he's good, then I have what I'm supposed to have, and that's enough. But if I'm saying it's not good enough, it's not good enough, it's not good enough when I'm discontent. That doesn't mean that we're not honest with God, that we're not honest in saying, you know what, this season kind of stinks. I would really like to move on to the next chapter. Can we please turn a page? Or can this situation change or that situation change? We're supposed to bring all of those things to God in prayer. But it's like, I think about the psalmist's life. You know, if you read, go through the psalms, you know, they're like, people are trying to kill me and this is horrible and I'm in a dark pit of despair. You know, like, they're, they're being very honest with God. But the psalms usually pivot towards the end when they say, but, you know, come on my soul, rejoice. Come on my soul, remember. Come on, let's worship. Come on, I remember you, God, but I remember that you did this and I remember that you did that. It's not staying stuck in the place of discontent. Does that make sense? Right. Because it's an intentionality of where your focus is. They have pivoted their focus back to God and back to rejoicing. Um, it's going to get a little hard right here. Are we okay? Everybody good? All right. So, because God inhabits the what? Praises. Not the complaining. The praises of his people. It says, enter his gates with not complaining, enter his courts with praise. You know, we get frustrated. I know I've been in seasons where I'm like, God, where are you? You know, and it's like, you're not following the path to his presence. It's really clear. Thanksgiving and praise, not complaining, not discontent, right? Because his presence doesn't accommodate the things that don't benefit us, right? So in the times where I really want to get to his presence, I need to let go of the things that aren't serving me and aren't keeping me connected because in those places of discontent where I'm judging God and saying, what you're doing isn't good enough, then, then no, I'm not going to reap the benefit. We okay? Everybody okay? All right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody in the bus. It's me too. Um, the last is compromise. In Deuteronomy 4, 23 through 25, it said, um, this is Moses. The, he, the Israelites have finally stopped their wandering they're about to take the promised land, but Moses is saying, I've messed up. I can't go with you, but you're going in, and here's my charge and warning to you. He says, so be careful not to forget the covenant that the Lord your God has made you, and not to make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a devouring fire, a jealous God. When you have had children and children's children and have become complacent, it is in the land if you act corruptly by making an idol in the form of anything thus doing what is evil in the sight of the lord your god provoking him to anger and it goes on to to talk about the judgment that would be against them 
you know, we know our God is a jealous God. Not that he's insecure and, you know, that kind of jealous, but jealous in the way that is right. You know, he knows what's good for you. Like, you should be jealous for your spouse to not give that level of affection to anyone but you, right? You should be jealous for your kids to be people of integrity. There's a, there is a healthy jealousy that happens, right? But I think it's interesting that he's talking about that. They're, they're going into their promised land. It's, so this is a warning to us in places, not just in trials, but in times of blessing and prosperity, that we don't become complacent in our promised land. Right? You don't, it's not the time to sit down and be like, well, I have arrived. Here we are. We need to be on guard about complacency and seasons of blessing because it can lead to laziness and apathy and unbelief. I found this scripture in Zephaniah, Zephaniah 1.12, and I was like, oh, Lord. It says, at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs, who, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. That he doesn't do anything. That's a terrible place to be. It's an una- Because complacency is an unawareness that danger is right there. Right? We just settle down. I remember um, on one of the mission trips that I was on in a different country, and um, I was talking with the, um, the missionary wife that was there, and she was saying that one of the greatest challenges they have is the mindset of that culture of it is what it is and I'm powerless to change it. To the extreme, they don't teach their children not to run out in traffic because if it's the Lord's will that the child dies, then there's nothing I can do about it. So why would I even teach them? Like that is an extreme example of complacency, but sometimes we can get to that place and we really need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds um, against that. And we, you know, we surrender our lives to God, but we're not powerless. But we're empowered by him to do the things he's called us to do. So how can we be content? First, we need to be content in our relationship with God. You know, you can't be content with someone you're not reconciled with, right? So if if you have never said yes to God, if you have never reconciled, you know, who's in charge of your life with God, that's the first step, Right? Because otherwise, it's always a tension. It's always a struggle. You know, if you've never had the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, today's a great day. It's a rainy day, but it's going to be a bright day. If today is the day you say yes to Jesus, where you say, you know what? It, like Mike has said before, being in charge of my own life is overrated, yeah, right? right. I, I'm not going to be content because I'm too fickle. The bar of satisfaction will always be changing. And so how can we be content with God? The first is spending time, just like any other relationship. Spending time with him in prayer and worship in his word. Let's go back to, uh, if you can put up there, Philippians 4, 12. And we're going to read 12 through 13 this time. The secret to being content. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or want. The next verse we all probably know by heart. But I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength or who strengthens me. That's how you do it. That's how you can do all things because you're content, because you're resting in him. There's not a striving, right? We can deal with the challenges and the hard things of life. But here's the thing. We can't be content without capacity. 
we have to deal with the hard things. And you can't deal with the hard things unless you have capacity to deal with the hard things, right? And so it says in the word that he restores our soul. We have to be intentional to bring the hard things to God, to let him bring the healing, let him bring the wisdom, right? That time spent in his presence is what brings us a rest and a contentment and increases our capacity to endure. It's like in the 23rd Psalm, like he leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down. He feeds me. He gives me rest. Like that's creating capacity, right? If we're running 900 miles an hour all the time and we're not dealing with the hard things, we're not dealing with the hard emotions, we're just shoving it in the backpack and we're moving forward, your capacity is going to come to a breaking point. You can't deal with the hard things. We're wearing ourselves out. And he didn't mean it to be that way, right? But we need to be careful. I know that I have sometimes can be very task-oriented, and it's like, okay, well, I need to do this and do laundry and have quiet time. Like, it's that quiet time, that time is on the list of to-dos, and it's checked off like everything else. And sometimes it's not a restorative time. Does that make sense? But when when I'm intentional to just be with him, I'm connecting with my creator. And when I do that, when I walk out of that, walk through that time, I'm my truest self. You know, you ever feel like you're just not even yourself? You haven't created that capacity. You haven't, you haven't done that. You're, when, you, when we spend time with God, we're making space for the real you to step forward, right? In your gifts, in content, not stressed, not striving, that, con- that contentment. In that time of intimacy, he's removing things that unnecessarily weigh us down. I debated on sharing this, but I'm going to, I just feel led to do it. Um, I know the last couple of months, and it always happens right before I speak as I'm preparing, God does something like this. I just knew it would be, a, I just, the Lord told me this is going to be a season of intensity. There's some things I need to deal with in you. And, um, and I was like, okay. And I was just in this time of prayer, and um, I had like a vision where I saw myself, and I was walking like down this path but it was like I was walking into myself, like I was walking into a mouth, but it was here, if that makes sense. Like I could look up and see like the heart and the lungs and the throat, like, but I was walking into my gut, basically. And I was walking, feeling like I'm walking into to the judgment seat. But, all right, Lord, let's do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know you need this, but you, this is not, it's like, I know I need that root canal, but I don't really want to go and have it, but I need to do it. And that is kind of how I felt. Like I was kind of braced for this is going to really stink. And um, it was such a gentleness, you guys. Like I, as I walked, I had this image that like a triceratops or something, like there were scales around me. And as I walked, like there were angels or the, the Lord himself was just taking things off. And it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It was just so gentle. And I just feel like that is what God is saying. It's like, I want you to be content. I want you to be healed. I want you to have capacity. But you've got to get to the place where you're willing to let it all go and be in that place of vulnerability with me because we trust him. Um, We need to choose to focus on the source of our identity and the promises over our earthly earthly reality. The second is content in the promises. Um, You know, God has promised so many wonderful things to us in the word. And for many of you, like God has given you specific promises, specific things that have been, 
prophesied over you or spoken over you or just felt like God has spoken directly to you about what would happen might, you know, in your future. And it's like you're still waiting on those things. And sometimes we can get very complacent when it's delayed, right? We start to doubt. Um, there's a thing that you probably saw on social media was kind of a phase for a while, but like the marshmallow test. Did anybody see this? That people did it with their kids, they did it with dogs, whatever, where they would put something out that was of desire, whether it was cookies or marshmallows or whatever. And then they would leave the room and be like, you can have it when I come back, but don't touch it. And then they would leave the room. They keep videoing just to see what, what they do. And then they come back and if it's still, you know, it's still there, then they, they give it to them in reward. It was an actual psychological test that this guy who's been doing research for 40 years on delayed gratification and, and how that points to success in our personality and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that one of the factors in whether or not the child waited was their trust in the person who left the room. Would they, would they fulfill their promise? And if they didn't have a relationship with the person, they didn't have a trust that this person's gonna do what they said, though I can't see them anymore, I see what I want, but I can't see them anymore. Their, their basis of trust depending on whether or not they chose to wait. And I feel like that's us sometimes. You know, where it's like, this is uncomfortable. You know what? I can fix it. I can do this. And we move forward. We need to stop keeping, we don't keep taking matters in our own hands because we need to be content in God as provider. He is the one who defines enough for us, right? If I'm trusting God as my provider and as my father, then what I have in this moment is enough whether I feel like it is or not, right? Whether my family feels like it is or not, whether my friends feel like it is or not, whether culture says it is or not, if he says it's enough, it's enough, right? And we can miss that miracle of enough sometimes that brings rest and contentment because we're fearful that there's not going to be enough later. That fear of lack robs us of the joy and content in the moment. If you don't, if we forget who our daddy is, right? We forget who he really is and we can get anxious and desperate. And in, in those moments that I've had recently about those, those anxious, desperate moments. Um, one of the things that God said to me and I wrote it down was, I'm not going to placate your surface desires, your surface satisfactions. I'm going to minister and speak to your deepest needs. You're so out of touch with yourself, you don't even know what you really need. And I, the image for me is like a kid, you know, like a toddler when they're so overtired, like they want something, they just want, and it's whatever they want is, you know, ridiculous or whatnot. But they're just like, I got it. You know, and they're like so tired, they can't hardly stand up, and they're running around, and they're just, they're so out of sorts. But you know what, what happens if you can just take that child and hold them long enough that they give in, and they rest on you, and they wake up, and they're joyful, and they play, and it's what it should be? That's us. That's us. Sometimes we're just the worn-out kid. We need to stop fighting. Um, but, caveat here, the, sin, the, the thing says to be content in every trial, right? But there's sometimes in the storm, but there's also a grace to speak to the storm. So I just want to be clear that just because there's a contentment and a resting in the Lord doesn't mean that we don't fight, right? There's an authority that comes when we are in the place of contentment that we don't have in the place of discontent. Does that make sense? You know, and I think about that sometimes it's not clear, right? Like there's Paul who talks about, 
I have this thorn in my flesh, and I keep asking God to take it away. And then there's Jesus, who's like speaking to the storm and the wind and the waves, and the disciples are like raising the dead and casting out demons. Like, it depends on the situation. You know, we want things to be so formulaic. I'm just bummed uh, Andrew and I here because I had a really great math analogy. But we want life to be formulaic. Right? We want it to be simple math, but it's algebraic. There's variables you haven't accounted for that change the, the whole equation. And so there's a reliance on the Holy Spirit of, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? But your authority only comes when you're in the position that you're supposed to be. Right? Like, let's, like today is the Super Bowl. Phoebe was like, you need to put a Super Bowl joke in here. Um, there, so today is the Super Bowl. You know, these teams have practiced and practiced and practiced. You know, if, if the quarterback is making this play and he's throwing to the guy to catch the ball, but he's not where he's supposed to be, the play is not going to happen, right? It's going to fall flat because he wasn't where he's supposed to be. Our authority comes, our discernment comes when we are in the place of contentment where we can hear. Does that make sense? Like there are times that we are in storms and we just get battered and we endure it so long that we come to this place of complacency where we lay down our identity and we lay down our authority, and we're not standing up and fighting the enemy. Does that make sense? But our place of authority is the obedience for today. You know, um, we worship in spirit and truth, and that spiritual discernment that God gives us of, is this a time to fight, or is it a time to rest? I love that God doesn't do the same thing all throughout the Old Testament. We have all these battle stories, and there are times where he's like, be still, I will fight for you, and he causes confusion in the enemy's camp, and the the you know, the soldiers don't have to do anything. And then there's times that they, they absolutely go out and give it all in the field and they slaughter everything. And then there's times they lead in worship or they do other crazy things. Like, it's never the same. But it's them going to the Lord and saying, the victory is yours. The battle is yours. What's my role? Right? Um, Matt, you want to come up? It's important to be content because it puts us in the right posture. We're not distracted. We're not stressed. We're in a position to receive. We're in a position to see what's really happening. We're in a position to receive and to move, right? If something happens and you're like laying down and you have to respond quickly, it's as we get older, it's a little more of a struggle to get up on our feet and go do the thing, right? But if we're in a posture that's waiting and ready, then then we're we're sitting on ready, right? We love that phrase around here. So how do we overcome complacency? I think the first is to remind yourself who you are and whose you are, right? Remember where the Lord has been faithful. Remember his covenant to you. Remember what he said, but remember that your story is being written and it's being written by the greatest author ever. It may not be good now, but that just means your story's not done, right? It's not done. We need to be grateful. We need to thank God for what he has done and what he will do. We enter his courts with, Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Yes, we're grateful. Be passionate. Don't quit. Just because we're content doesn't mean that you don't have passion. It's not that you're not like, doo doo Going through your day, there's still a passion, right? Um, I didn't bring it with me, but the pursuit book that we read during fasting, I loved it. And one of the um, things in there was don't quit in the middle, don't lay down during the battle, and don't walk away from the field while the seed is still in the ground. Don't quit. Don't quit. It may not look like what you want it to look like right now, but just rest that he's got a plan and he's doing good things. Um, there was a, I'm a neuro nerd. 
for people that don't know, like I love how the brain works and all this. And I was reading this article and it was talking about this research that they did on these mice and the mice had to stick their nose through this little portal and they got sugar water. Ooh, I like that. And so they did it again, they got it again. And then what they did is they exponentially increased the amount of times the mouse had to put his nose in there to get it. And eventually the mouse gave up because it just got to be too many times. And what they did is they studied the neurochemistry of that, what happened in the brain during all of this. And there was these nociceptive uh, stimulus that, that um, once it got really hard, it blocked the, the release of dopamine. I'll explain that. Um, so what that means is the nociceptive cells, those are cells that sense pain. So these pain receptors block dopamine, which is your motivational thing, right? It's what, what motivates you to get up and do something. So when it got hard, the, the brain told the body to quit. We are not designed to do hard things by ourselves. That's what I took away. Like, this is why we say, I can't do it. I can't do it. God says, yeah, I know, but I can. Like, this is, this is meant to be a partnering. And I think about in Nehemiah, when, when he went and they were rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem, each family had their own section of the wall to rebuild, right? And they did it with purpose. They were content in their spot. They didn't look at anybody else's part of the wall. This is my section of the wall. But they did it with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. This is my spot. I'm okay with this being my spot, but I will defend my spot. Make sense? The last is to speak it. You know, we sometimes just have to remind ourselves. What we say matters. Our brain listens to what we say. It's important to what we say. We speak of ourselves. When there's so much unknown, we need to rest in the place where you are known and what you know to be true. What do you know to be true this morning? God is love. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I am loved. I am a chosen child of God. I am cared for. He dresses the lilies. He will dress me. If he takes care of the sparrow, he will take care of me. I am called. His plans for me are good. Right? He's working all things for my good. I will always have more than enough. I am fully known by my creator. He walks with me. You see what I'm saying? Like we have to speak those things because sometimes we just, we forget. We get distracted and we forget. And that's okay. We just got to bring it back. Bring it back. Um, being content is not a dull life. It's a good life passionate, not striving, joyful, rested. You know, it's like, um, I've already talked about kids. Um, babies and dogs are the things that I'm obsessed with, so we're going to have to talk about dogs. Uh, I know there's some other dog lovers in the room, and, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing this morning about a dog. You know, when you get a dog and it connects with its owner, right, and you develop this trust and relationship, but you're, you're teaching the dog how to behave, right? So to me, contentment is, is loose leash walking, right? I know who my master is. I know I'm taken care of. I'm just excited to be on a walk with him, right? I'm not squirreling. I'm not sitting. I'm not resisting. I'm not distracted. I am happy to keep in pace with you because wherever you're going, I want to be. You're my favorite person, right? You're my person. Jesus is our person, right? Everything he does for us is good. It's trustworthy. So we're going to stand this morning. We're going to pray. If you're watching online and, and you have questions or you want to connect, we would love to pray with you. You can go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps. We will reach out to you this week. It's our privilege 
to be able to do that. So we're grateful for our online community and our in-person community. And how I want to end is just, we're just going to close our eyes as map. It's going to play and just for the next 15 seconds. I just want you to be grateful. We're just going to, you can say it out loud. You can pray within your own heart. We're just going to say, God, this is what I know. Lord, I know that you are good. I know that you love me. Lord, that there's nothing you would withhold from me that is good. God, that you want the best for me. God, I'm grateful for what you've done in my family. I'm grateful for what you're doing in my life. And thank you for good health. I thank you that there's food in my house, that there's money in the account, that all of my needs are taken care of. And God, all the things that I can't control, Lord, we just surrender. And we know that you make good of everything. So God, help us to be, we're just a people that are content. People that look different than than the people of, of this culture that are running a rat race for no good reason. God, that we have enough. We are daughters and sons of the Most High. What have we to fear? What have we to want? God, you are a good shepherd. Let us live a life of contentment, one that stands up and takes authority when we're supposed to. Lord, that we are loose-leashed walking, but we are alarm-barking when the enemy tries to come in. God, we are defending what you have given us to do. God, thank you for a quiet and humble life that is the most beautiful thing ever. We just love you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.